All right, good morning. Uh, so excited that you guys are here. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Uh, my name is Justin Faniff, uh, one of the teaching pastors here. And uh, I don't want to jump directly into something kind of heavy, but um, it's kind of important here this morning. And so I know a lot of us come in here uh, and that we're, we were feeling kind of lost, some of us confused, um, you know, maybe some of us even angry and, you know, bordering on despair because you're just wondering what is on his face right now? What is that? See, that's how they feel, right? For those of you that know me, yes, I am Justin, okay? For those of you that don't know me, I am sorry this is the first time that we were meeting like this. I apologize. But I have to say, we did trunk or treat last night, and our philosophy is go big or go home. And uh, so it was my wife and I, Sonny and Cher, last night, and it was fun. It was a good time. Thank you. Uh, I uh, echo what Nate said. Thank you guys so much for a great time and all the volunteers. It was, it was awesome. Uh, but we had fun. We had fun. Uh, if I could turn back time, I might uh, make a different decision, but the beat goes on. So they're not going to let me preach anymore after this. <laughs> All right, we'll move on. We'll move on. Okay, so I'm excited to be here, and uh, we're actually wrapping up. We are wrapping up our series on prayer. It's been an incredible series, and like the the video kind of shows, it is one of those things that we're, it can really kind of be, you know, weird for us. It, It kind of escapes us what the exact way or what it's supposed to feel like or what it's supposed to look like. And so what we've been doing over this month is we've been kind of walking through the Lord's Prayer as kind of a, uh, a guide of how we can enter into and put our hearts in the right place. But one of the other things that I kind of really, really, really hope that we take from this whole series, uh, and I encourage you, if you missed any of the weeks, to kind of go back and look at that, is if we just look at this real quick, is when we're talking about prayer, let's talk to him about Everything. Everything. And I think that's really important. Everything. Right? Not most things, not some things, everything. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. We should be processing and bringing everything to Him. Because for us as humans, it can be very difficult to live in the world of absolutes, right? Because we're flawed, we're going to mess up, we're not perfect. But I think we should take a lot of encouragement with the fact that God can and does exist in absolutes. Because when he says, I love you, it's forever and it's always true. When he says, I'm going to be faithful, it's forever and it's always true. There's not a point where he's not that. And so that is why he can be our anchor. That is why we want to latch onto him and prayer can be that tether, that great connector to a God who is infinite who is eternal, but who is also constant and consistent, something we can't be. And so that is why it's so important. There's like, if I'm going to take everything to something, right? And yes, we have, and it's great to have our, uh, you know, somebody that you can confide in, in, in your family, in your friends, a mentor, perhaps a, a counselor, a therapist. Those are really, really important things in our lives. And God, I believe, puts those people in our lives for sure. But at the end of the day, the safest person, the safest being to take those things to is God because he is that. And so I just really wanted to kind of take a minute to go everything, everything is important when it comes to prayer. So let me pray for us on that note. 
and uh, kind of align our hearts here, and, and we'll, we'll kind of jump in. So, Lord, uh, just so grateful for everyone here, grateful for uh, just what you're doing in each of our lives, um, whatever that looks like. And I pray that here this morning, as we just kind of take time to reflect on you and your word, uh, that you would just speak through me, uh, that I can just kind of get out of the way, uh, and that you would speak to our hearts and to our minds here this morning what you desire for us to learn. Uh, so we're so grateful for you and all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, we've been going through um, the Lord's Prayer. Now, uh, Pastor Tyler and Pastor Caleb really kind of set up that we do want to be careful that when we're entering into prayer and we're getting a a chance to learn about it and kind of grow in it and figure it out, so to speak, um, by the way, include the Lord in that as well, saying, hey, God, I'm new to this. I don't, you know, help me out with this kind of thing, right? Um, We want to be careful that that, that Jesus does give us the Lord's Prayer in his Sermon on the Mount, maybe his most, uh, possibly his most famous teaching in, in Matthew uh, chapters 5 through 7. And, and so it's great, it's great to be able to have that as a guide. But we just want to be careful that nothing becomes so scripted that it loses its meaning, it becomes rote, it becomes trite, it, it kind of loses a lot of its impact. But I wanted to kind of just remind us why Jesus laid these things out in this particular way. And so I just kind of want to read through it real quick again, just to kind of align our hearts here, and then kind of look at that. So uh, Matthew, this comes from Matthew chapter 6, um, and it's starting in verse 10. The disciples have literally just come to him, and they say, hey, Jesus, this prayer thing, like how do you exactly some of the question, questions or the question we might have, right? How do we do this? What does this look like? Because remember, this is, this is kind of brand new to them, this idea that they can pray. Okay, because in the Old Testament with the law, like there's a lot of rituals and you go to a priest and you take your prayers and then they take that and they intercede. They go into the Holy of Holies and intercede to the Lord on your behalf kind of thing. So the idea that we, we don't think much of it necessarily because it's always been available to us, but we can just drop to our knees wherever we are and talk to God, right? And so it's kind of this new concept and they're trying to figure this out. And so Jesus says, great question. Let's walk through it, right? And so he says, he says, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Some of you guys might have memorized a little bit different translation, but same, same idea. Uh, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need. And he goes on in uh, verse 12. And forgive us our sins as we are forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Okay. So this actually can be a great place to start, but I want us to just remember that as we walk through this, the idea is where our heart is as we do it, okay? So when it says, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, we are entering into a status, a place of submission and surrender and recognizing his holiness, his purity, his otherness, right? We are recognizing that he is set apart in a way that is unbelievable and amazing, right? And so with that, even, I mean, maybe, you know, physically we're doing it too, but figuratively, we are just in that submissive posture, that humble posture up to him, right? So that's kind of the first part of it, right? And then it says, may your kingdom come soon. So now we're saying, hey, we recognize the difference between the holiness and the upside down nature, so to speak, of God's kingdom and the thing that he's asking us to do that is, that is recognized by uncommon and radical grace and uncommon and radical love and uncommon and radical mercy and all of those things and how it differs from the world and the kingdom of the world, right? What that looks like. 
Okay, so when we're looking at those things, we're saying we desire that this kingdom of yours is the one that reigns, not the other one. Because we recognize that it is better, that it is more of what you desire for us to have. And then it says, um, may your will be done. Pastor Tyler talked about this, on earth as it is in heaven, right? That his will is superior. His will is better than our will. And, and it's better for us. And we recognize that. And we want to be able to, to come under that, right? And so we're asking this. This is all of our heart set. It does not have to be these exact words. But this is where our heart is moving as we come in contact with him and have this conversation with him. And make no mistake about it. It is a conversation. It is a conversation. He doesn't want you to put any sort of crazy parameters on it that, that you know, scare us and, and weird us out or anything like that. He just wants to have a connection and a conversation with us. And he, said, he goes on, he says, give us today the food that we need. He's talking about, you know, more than just the physical food and water that we need to eat and drink for our human bodies, um, but really the sustaining of our soul, that living water that Jesus even describes himself as. Give us that food that we need every single day to sustain us in you, right? Uh, and then he says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us, Right? This is a tough one. This was last week that we were talking about, right? That, that's a hard one, man. That's a really hard one, especially when we've been deeply hurt and wounded, right? That's a tough one. But he's saying, listen, I've radically forgiven you. My son Jesus, I sent him as this sacrifice, as this rescue. He dies on the cross, taking all of those sins that you have on himself, rising again, inviting us into new life. Like we have been radically forgiven. Even when we still mess up, all right? Even when we still mess up, he has still forgiven us and washed us clean. And he looks at us and he sees us as pure. And that image of God that he meant for us to be from the very beginning, he doesn't see all the blots and the blemishes and all of that because of what Jesus has done. So that is where we are as we're entering into this. And finally he gets to, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So just a light conversation this morning for us. Because none of you guys deal with temptation, right? Like, I don't really have to get too much into this, right? No, awkward laughter. Like, we all do, right? This is something that is difficult for all of us. Now, it may look different, okay? It may look different, and it ranges. That's the crazy thing, right? It ranges. It's got a whole range, right? It's as simple as I'm tempted by this donut, right? And I probably shouldn't eat it. No, I shouldn't eat it, but I'm still kind of tempted by it, and I kind of want to eat it, right? All the way to much more impactful, deeper, and wide-ranging things that have a lot more life impact on us and our relationships, right? And so he, we're, what we're saying is, hey, as we're entering into this heart set of basically, Lord, take over my life, I want to be able to forgive as you forgive. I would like you to sustain me with soul food, so to speak, right, every day. I want your will to be done. I want your kingdom here on earth. I'm recognizing you as holy. All of those things. And please, please, please help me because I know that I struggle with this against the temptation of this world. Whatever it is that tempts me the most is different than what might tempt you the most, but it still is a temptation, right? And it still is something that we are battling against, right? And it says, rescue us from the evil one. Or some translations just say, rescue us from evil, just kind of in general. And so it's important that we recognize in this part here that there is an opposing force against us. 
right? There's another realm that's kind of an opposing force and it's, it's, it, we don't understand it fully and we certainly don't have time to get into all of it today, all right? But there is an opposing force against us that we have to be aware of and it's important to be aware of and to recognize because we have to be prepared. And in order to be prepared, you have to know that something is there, that something is happening, right? And so it's important to know that that is a reality. There's this opposing force and we're saying, Lord, we know that I don't have the full strength against this myself, I know you do, and I know you can help me with this. So I think that's important for us to recognize, but also, also, we have to be really careful with that because we can't always say that this opposing force is the thing, you know, the actual like kind of physical outside force is the one that is affecting us. Because we also, there's the reality that we are at war within ourselves even, with our old self and our new self. When we've accepted Jesus as our Savior and we want to say, I've committed my life and I want to do the best that I can to live out a life that, that you desire for me too, that still kind of wrestles with the fact that, you know, I say that, you are saved, and you truly believe it in your heart. God doesn't just beam you up, Scotty, right? Like you don't just go right into his presence in heaven, It'd be kind of nice, but that doesn't happen. We're still here. We are still in, as we've mentioned it before, this idea of an age of tension where Jesus has come and he's going to come again, but we're in that in-between space. And there's this tension of like the old kingdom wrestling with the new kingdom within ourselves. So there absolutely is the reality of this opposing outside force coming against us that we have to be uh, cognizant of and aware of. But also at the same time, we're plenty good at messing things up on our own. And we have to acknowledge that too, right? We can't say it was like, the devil made me do it. No, you did that. I did that. I can recognize that. I did it. It wasn't, that wasn't anything other than my sin nature that is still at present in myself that's warring with my inward one, right? Now, at the same time, we recognize that sin is something that is, that we want to move away from and we're fighting against. So, you know, it's not something to beat ourselves up about so much that we're then in despair and all of that. It's just, again, we want to recognize it. We want to recognize it because I want to say there are times that it could be an outside kind of opposing force, but there's plenty of times that I have to take ownership and accountability of the fact that that was me. That was me that messed that up, right? And so when we think about it, um, it kind of gets cartoonized and, and kind of overplayed as, as a kind of a silly thing. But honestly, the, the image of the, you know, kind of the demon and the angel on the shoulder is not that, you know, out there. How many of you guys have kind of felt that, right? Almost two different voices in your head a little bit, kind of going like, this donut looks really good, you know? And then the angel goes, you should run seven miles before you eat it because that's better for you, you know, so like, and we kind of have that, and whatever that, you know, might seem different or feel different to you yourself, but we have that within ourselves, and we have to recognize that, and the goal is that we have to build this muscle up with the help of God against this temptation. The Apostle Paul, you know, he talks about it himself, that we are a new creation, so we are, but we're existing in an old one. Does that make sense? Like, we're, it's a both-and kind of thing, and that can be confusing and hard, 
Um, but he actually kind of articulates it really, really well in Romans, his, uh, his letter to the Romans, the Roman church. Um, and he says it in, in chapter 7, starting in verse 15 right here. Um, and these are uh, in the sermon notes, uh, but we'll have them on the screen here too. But if you'd like to follow along there in, in your Bible. So uh, Romans 7, he says, this is great. He articulates this and you're kind of almost like, is Paul reading my journal? Because I feel like this is exactly what. But he says, I don't really understand myself. Same Paul, same. For what I want to do, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So again, kind of the law and then Jesus himself, kind of as we come in contact with that, we realize that that is a good thing. We're seeing what, what the goal is, even if we're kind of falling short of it, we're agreeing that the law is what the goal is, and that's the, that's the best thing, right? So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. Okay, so we're, we're kind of recognizing that that still exists within it, right? And it's just like, man, Paul's articulating it exactly. He goes on uh, in verse 18, and he says, And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is my sinful nature, but it is still in me. So we have to acknowledge that. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do what is wrong, but I do. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anybody relate to that at all, right? But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing it. It is the sin living in me that does it. Okay, so again, we have to recognize that there is a warring faction even within ourselves. So there's kind of the old kingdom and new kingdom and the outside pieces that we're all kind of together in, but there's also within ourselves this battle that we're fighting and that we're raging. And it's important for each one of us that we recognize that and we take ownership of it. Because yes, God can help us, but he wants us to be a part of it too. Because we're not going to learn and grow ourselves unless we are the ones stepping into it with him to actively walk this out, right? God doesn't want us to be reactive. He wants us to be proactive. He wants us to be involved in what he's doing in our lives. Otherwise, we're not really going to grow. But the reality is we're also going to drift. We're going to drift. It's, it's human nature. We drift when we don't stay consistent with things. It's why prayer, scripture, we've talked this year a, a lot about making the most of what we've been given. And a lot of the focus has been scripture and prayer, Right? Because when we know that we're going to drift, we have to stay tethered to those things that are going to keep us with God and what he desires for us, right? All of you know this. So even if it's not scripture and prayer, whether you've been an athlete, whether you've done fitness, whether you're trying to eat healthy, whether you're trying to build a relationship with someone, if you don't stay consistent at it, what happens? It fizzles down. It, it, it doesn't happen. You know, you're trying to do a project at work or something like that. If you don't stay with it, talk to the people that are part of it with you or whatever, and, and you're working on it and all that kind of stuff. You don't stay with it. The next thing you know, it's January and you were supposed to have something done in November and you're like, what happened? Well, you got distracted or we drifted because we didn't stay consistent with something. We all do it. We all do it. And so it's important that we stay consistent, that we stay consistent with it because that is what's going to build the muscle so to speak, that's going to help us get strong. But part of that is that we're being accountable because being accountable means taking ownership and taking ownership brings the power to change. If you don't take ownership of something, then you kind of, you can be distant from it and you, and you feel like you don't really have to do anything with it. When you're accountable and you realize you're a part of this and you take ownership of it, now you're beginning to enter into the power with God to be able to change it, right? To be able to change it. If you're not taking ownership of somebody, you actually, there's not as much care there, 
So then whatever happens is fine, right? Whereas if you take ownership of it, now you have something invested in it. You have something invested in it and you are now interested in it growing and changing and and learning and all of those things, right? So we want to hold ourselves accountable. Even if there was an outside opposing force, we still want to hold ourselves accountable. We want to take ownership of our relationship with God and how he can help us. And that is going to help us be able to change in the way that he desires for us to change and grow and learn. And so it's kind of an illustration to, to, to kind of walk through this a little bit, um, I want us to kind of uh, go back a little bit and look in the book of Daniel, because I think Daniel was a great, great uh, representation of this. Okay, he's a great representation of this. And so we're going to be, uh, start out in Daniel chapter 1, and then we'll spend a little bit of time uh, in Daniel chapter 6 as well. So just to set this up, Daniel was um, of royal and noble blood. That's important. We'll get to that uh, for in a second. Uh, in Israel, Israel really messed up. Uh, you can read about it in the Old Testament. Um, and if you really want kind of to, to dig into to the really specifics of that, I really encourage you to get connected. Um, talk to my wife Morgan or Caleb afterwards about getting connected with Emmaus Ministries. They do such a great job of helping um, um, get through scripture and understand it better and, and engage with it. Um, but the, the, the short kind of idea is that Israel's really messed up in their covenant with God and they keep messing up and they keep messing up and he sends prophets and he says, hey, you know, you're, if you're going to give into your own choices, it's not going to be what you want. I promise it's not going to be what you want, but they continue to give into their own choices. And so he says, okay, so um, eventually the kingdom of Israel is overcome and it's taken over um, by Babylon, the nation of Babylon, which is kind of the big, uh, huge, you know, bad nation at the time. And they take them and they actually take a bunch of them into exile. So how we can relate to that is that we ourselves are in exile right now because when we believe in what Jesus has done for us, then our home is is in the presence of God and in the presence of God is in heaven, not here on earth, right? And so we ourselves are in a bit of a metaphorical exile. Daniel and his friends are in a literal exile, but there's a lot that we can kind of take from that, right? So Daniel and uh, the, the, the three friends that, uh, that are kind of taken with him that get, that get talked about, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of you guys may be familiar with them. Um, they're taken there. And they're selected because of a reason that it says right here, right? Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. I highlighted young for a reason. We'll get to that in a second. He said, that's King Nebuchadnezzar. He's the king of, of Babylon. So he's like, the guy, right? He's the biggest, most powerful guy in the world to this point that anybody is aware of, right? So make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young, there it is again, men, in the language and literature of Babylon, right? He goes on, and it says, the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens, very nice of them, They were then trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Okay, the reason I kind of highlighted young and kind of want to bring this up. So they're young men. Uh, A lot of biblical scholars believe somewhere between like 14 and 16 years old when they were taken to Babylon. Okay? Now, we've all been young before. Some of us, it's a little further back than others. But we remember possibly what it's like. Some of us are young right now. And when you're young, there's a lot of temptations. Right? Right? There's a lot of temptations. Now, take them being this young, taken to a new place that has, I mean, it is the world power at this time. It's got riches. It's got fame. It's got, and they're getting trained to be some of the advisors to the king. So they're going to have status. They're going to have fame, perhaps. They're going to have other temptations, you know? Like, there's going to be a lot coming at them, and they're 14 to 16. How do you think you'd handle that at 14 to 16 years old, right? 
I probably wouldn't handle it very well, right? And some of us would be tempted by different aspects of that, of those things, but all of us might be tempted at some point. So I think it's important that we recognize that they were walking into a place that was temptation rich, rich. It was everywhere. It was everywhere. And if you guys read on, which we don't have time today, but if you guys read on in, uh, in chapter one, uh, they actually do kind of test this a little bit out. And, and uh, Daniel and his friends kind of go to the guy that's in charge of them and says, hey, we're going to, you know, we'd like to kind of eat something a little different because we don't, you know, think that the food is as good from the king and all that kind of stuff. And they work out this test and it ends up going in their favor because they have God's favor at that time. And it's amazing that at this young age, they're able to work in that. But it's important that we recognize there was the temptation there. But they're also of noble and royal blood, which is of note, because it means that they had had uh, schooling up to this point. They had had learning up to this point. And so they did have a sense and an idea of what the Lord desired of them, which is how they were able to do that. And so they were able to kind of build up some of those defenses, even as young, right? Even as young as they were. But we go on, right? It's not all done. So fast forward a little bit, Daniel chapter six. Now here, Daniel's an older man, much older man. He's been around a bit. He's had time and time and a lot of time to be able to build this muscle, so to speak, right? To, to be able to stay consistent with God and build this muscle against anything that might come at him, right? So in chapter six, um, at this point, Persia uh, has taken over uh, Babylon, they conquered Babylon. So now King Darius is kind of the, the king of Persia over this entire thing, whatever. And he appoints all these officials and he kind of puts Daniel ahead of a lot of them because he's, he's really good at what he does, right? And he's got the Lord's favor with him. So the officials go to King Darius and they're jealous and they're upset about it. And they say, so they come to him and they say, hey, we're all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors that the king should make a law that we will be strictly, that will be strictly enforced, give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, we love you, you're great, right? Significant amount of brown on their nose, okay? If you don't do that, you will be thrown into a den of lions. That doesn't sound like a picnic. Does not sound fun, right? You're going to be thrown into the den of lions if you do not pray to the king, only the king. Okay, so right now, right where you are right now, you're in, you know, you're in Persia or what used to be Babylon, right? And this decree comes down. Okay, I know myself. And I can tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt for me. There would be a time, maybe I'd give into it, maybe I wouldn't, I don't know. But there would be a time that I'm like, I mean, it's just 30 days. Like, God gets it, right? He'd forgive me. Just 30 days. Lions, God. Lions. You know lions, God? You made them? We're not friends, them and I. You get it, right? So there, right there, there's this temptation of like, oh man, if I don't do this, den of lions? Can't they do something else? Like, you know, you could feel it. Like, you could feel like, how, how, would, I, how would I handle this? Because if I get caught, it's game over, right? But I think this is really amazing. So in verse 10, it goes on and it says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual, which I think is important because it's setting up a pattern. It's setting up a foundation that he's laid, right? 
as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, respect, honoring God, right, to Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, three times a day, just as he has always done, kind of like as usual, always done, giving thanks to his God. Now, it does not say how instant this was, but it seems pretty instant. As soon as he learns, right? Instead of kind of waffling like we might or whatever, he goes, whew, that sounds pretty bad. I'm going to go pray to God, not to the king, right? He can help me. Because Daniel had built this muscle up. He recognized that the consistency of being in prayer and talking to God helped him understand what God willed from him and that even as hard as it may be, that that's what was best for Daniel. Daniel actually kind of has, for those of you that might be familiar with it, Daniel really actually kind of has an attitude that Paul talks about in Philippians when he says to live is Christ, to die is gain. Daniel has that attitude. He says, if I'm going to live, cool. I can continue to influence people with God, what you've done for me and how you've impacted me. And if you read through the book of Daniel, right, you see where Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have a huge impact on King Nebuchadnezzar, who's the most powerful king there is. And yet he's like, maybe this living God thing that they believe in is real, right? That's how much of an impact on the most powerful guy at the time. So to live as Christ, I can, I can you know, to live as God, I can, I can do that if that's what you desire. But if it is the den of lions, deep breath, if it is the den of lions, that's okay too. Because then I'm with you. Then I'm with you, Lord, where ultimately I want to be anyways, right? So he really has this. But this doesn't just happen all at once. This takes time and effort. This takes time and effort. But what we see out of this I've used the kind of muscle analogy, is that healthy communication with God makes us stronger. Healthy communication with God makes us stronger. The more we do it, the more we're in it, the more it helps us to build that up, to build that up to where something stops even being maybe a temptation, right? I could say right now, I could say, hey, this thing tempts me. And some of you would go, yeah, it tempts me too. And some of you would go, oh, really? Like that doesn't even, for me, that's not even like a really big temptation, right? And so that feeling right there that you might have of like, I can walk by something and it, it doesn't even really affect me. That's where we want to get to. We want to get to where Daniel was that it's like, hey, you're going to be thrown into the lion's den if you don't do this. And he goes, okay, my God is better. My God is better. He has made me ultimately strong. And actually, even if I get thrown in the den of lions, then I'm with him at the end of the day. Tiny little bit of pain, maybe a lot of bit of pain, but for a tiny bit of time. And then I'm with him, right? So ultimately, I win. Ultimately, I win, right? And when you have that mentality, when you have that mentality, there's nothing you can't fight against with his help. There's nothing you can't fight against with his help, but it takes that consistency. I've mentioned this before, um, but pastor friend of mine uh, up in North Carolina, Pastor Mike, he used to say, uh, probably still says, is that three-week rule for a big decision that's coming up or perhaps something that you're worried about that's going to happen or whatever, three-week rule. You should be in prayer for three weeks leading up to that. What's the thing about that though? Do you always know when a big decision's coming? 
No. Do you always know when something might tempt you? No. So you should always be in prayer, right? You should always be in prayer because you need to be prepared for that. Because here's what Daniel understood and what I really, really want us to understand. Really, really want us to understand. Temptation at its core is the belief that something else will fulfill and satisfy us more than the love, grace, and mercy from our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what temptation is. We are believing, even if fleetingly, even if quickly, we're believing that something else outside of our relationship with Jesus that has been given to us as a gift from God the Father is better and is going to fulfill us and satisfy us more. And when you think about it that way, it's like, wow. Now, not only am I giving into this, which can do damage to me and others in my relationship, depending on what it is in my different relationships, I'm actually insulting God too. Because I'm saying, no, 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 no. I know what you've said. I know, God, what you've said. But I, I subscribe to this more. This is going to fulfill me more. And I think a lot of you have enough experience to know that that's not the case. It might for a little bit, but it's not the case. How many of you guys have eaten food? You know you shouldn't have eaten, but it feels so good when it goes down. 30 minutes later, you're like, I should not have done that, right? I should not have done that. So it's this tiny little example. It's a simple example of food, but it really can have that kind of impact. So as we look at this again in verse Matthew six thirteen. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Don't let us yield to temptation. I, in this prayer life that I am building, in this prayer life that perhaps I'm stepping into for the first time, in this prayer life that I have built, I've been inconsistent, I've gotten back to being consistent, whatever it looks like for you. My heart set is that you will help me, Lord, build this strength against whatever temptation might come. Because let's be real. There's something that might tempt you now that never tempted you before. And there's something that tempted you before that actually doesn't really tempt you now. It changes. It changes all the time. And so the only way that we can be consistent in whatever the variety of temptation is, is that we are staying with this that we are staying with this. The image that kind of came to me as I was thinking about this was uh, some of you guys are familiar with or you've seen videos of or whatever, the idea of, you know, scuba diver. And sometimes uh, the scuba divers are doing something very specific, right? And they're going down into perhaps a dangerous area, low visibility, whatever it might be, right? And they're doing some research or trying to check something out, right? Maybe the, uh, the current's really bad at that point, but they, they need to do this. And so some of you guys have seen where in order to do it, they still need to do this, but they have a tether, right? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about here. They have this tether that, that is attached to them as they go down. There's a lot of dangerous things down there, right? There's a lot of dangerous things that come at them. But they're remaining tethered to the boat and to the people on the surface. And that's what's going to keep them safe. And when we act in the way that Daniel did, and we see this, in chapter 6 of Daniel, when it says, he learned the law had been signed, he went home, he knelt down, his windows open, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. When we see that, it makes sense 
This was his tether. This was his tether. No matter what was going on, lions, tigers, bears. Thank you. Like, that was his tether. He knew. He knew, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be okay. Because he knew he had the real lion of Judah with him. He wasn't worried about other lions. He had the tether which kept his faith strong, which gave him courage, which allowed him to not even flinch when an attempt at temptation came his way. And we can do the same. Regular prayer keeps our faith strong in God. That faith in God brings courage in him, from him. That courage helps us to be brave in the face of fear and temptation. When we're regular with it and when we are bringing not some things, not most things, but everything to him, this is where we can be. And when the threat of being thrown in the lion's den, whatever that looks like for you, comes, you don't flinch. You bring it to him. You bring it to him. Like I said before, you're praying, I've not done this before, God. I'm confused. How does this work? Help me out. Whether it's, I'm super happy that this happened and it's in praise and it's in joy. Share it with him. He wants to be in that with us, right? But even if you're like, I'm angry at you, God. I don't understand this. Share it with him. I'm in despair. Share it with him. I'm lamenting. Share it with him. It doesn't matter what it is. He literally wants to process everything with us. And when we build that up, then all of those things, we grow stronger through them and against them in the case of temptation. So I want us to remember this this morning. We have this regular prayer. It helps to build our faith in God as he says, just trust me. Trust me. Trust him to show you how faithful and trustworthy he is. Trust him in it. Include him in it. It's the safest place you can go for that. The absolute safest place that you can go. So as we enter into kind of our time of reflection here, I want us to think about this, right? And maybe you could even call it, you know, I, I, maybe even call it like hashtag the Daniel challenge, right? What if for the next 30 days, we prayed three times a day? Whatever it is. Maybe it's 30 seconds. Maybe it's a minute. Maybe it's longer. Maybe you start out with the Lord's prayer, recognizing how it's setting your heart. And then maybe you move on from there as you get comfortable with that, right? Maybe it's that. But three times a day for the next 30 days, what does that look like for you? I think you'd be amazed at what things would look like at the end of 30 days, right? Morning, lunch, uh, evening time, maybe before you go to bed or something. It could be different for you, but maybe that's an easy three times a day to set it. What does that look like for you? We've been given the gift of being able to communicate directly with the God of the universe. We, could, we don't need to take that lightly. And we need to take advantage of it. Like big time. Right? Because it's going to be the thing that's going to help us stay tethered to him and stay consistent with him because he is always constant and consistent. So we always kind of enter into this time of reflection and response and what does that look like for each one of us? And so we have some ways that you can kind of engage in it. Um, Prayer is one of them, believe it or not. Now for some of you that might be, maybe you pull up the Lord's Prayer in your seat right there and you go through it, working on aligning your heart in this next few couple minutes here in your seat. 
Maybe for some of you, it's a different prayer, but you're staying in your seat and you're kind of, Lord, what, how, how can I enter into this? How can you help me stay consistent with this? What does this look like for me in my life? Maybe for some of you, you want to share something. You want to pray with somebody as, as you're kind of trying to figure this out. And we, we absolutely recognize that and understand it. And so at the crosses up front here, we'll have some of our prayer partners that would love just people just like you and me who are also trying to just figure this out, would love to pray with you. Maybe for some of you are saying, I don't actually have this relationship with Jesus right now, but I've kind of been interested and I'm seeking and I'm searching and I'm trying to figure this out. And maybe that's the next step that you're taking in courage to say, all right, I'm going to enter into this relationship and I'm going to trust you, God, to be faithful and trustworthy. Maybe that's you up here. We also have uh, our tables on either side here where we enter into communion. And we recognize the ability to even have this communication, regular communication and connection to, to God is Jesus and what he's done for us. And we recognize his work on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection for us. So we recognize that there. We also have uh, our, our baskets at the back. I know some of us give online, but just uh, our, our time to give um, and just say thank you to the Lord for everything that he's given us. It's not a transaction. We don't see it as that at all. It's simply another form of worship and out of response for the love and grace and mercy that he pours out on us every day. So whatever that looks like, we're going to have a song. Maybe you just sit and you just let the lyrics wash over you and what, what we're singing about. Whatever it looks like for you, I, I, I just encourage you to engage in some way during this time. Let me pray for us. Lord, just so grateful for all that you've done for us. We thank you that we have this ability to come to you right now, even as we're doing, and speak with you and talk to you and share our trials and our tribulations and our joys and our wins and whatever it may be, that you want to do everything. You want to do life with us. So I pray for each one of us in here, wherever we are in our lives, wherever we are with all of this, that you would just help us to just open our hearts and our minds and our hands and our eyes to you and say, Lord, what would you have of me? And that we would enter into a life of prayer with you, trusting that you will be faithful and trustworthy. And I pray that you show up to every single one of us as we do that and help us to see how amazing and loving and gracious you are. I pray all this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.